What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and this week's episode, UFC 252 for all the marbles. This week we'll obviously be talking about the big fight, the trilogy, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight championship. We will recap UFC Vegas 6 and the main event between Derek Lewis and Alexei Olenek. We'll talk about all of the going-ons, Figueredo versus Garbrandt, Jennifer Maya taking on Valentina Shevchenko, and everything else going on. But I am here with a special co-host once again, three in a row, officially he has bowled a turkey, Mr. Anthony Walker. Anthony, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. I'm happy to, to be on the show with you again and uh, definitely excited to talk about 252. Likewise, it's uh, going to be a great show. Real quick off the top, I do want to send a special shout out. If you haven't seen it yet, Rob of Fight Posium just provided brand new artwork for the podcast of myself and Natalie Zamudio, who will be back in September. Um, but if you guys haven't checked it out, he did amazing work. I don't know if I sent it to you, if you've seen it yet, Anthony, but I want to give him a shout out at the top of the show. We've been doing the show a while and he just really brought it to the next level. He does a lot of great, cool stuff. He has a very comic book style and he's done a lot of great work for not just MMA, but boxing, fun stuff with Jorge Masvidal, Canelo Alvarez. Um, he do, he could be commissioned for work. I know if you guys have graduations or promotions, everything else, you want to celebrate it in a unique way. Wedding anniversary, he does a lot of that stuff. So definitely, Rob, at Fightposium, at F-I-G-H-T-P-O-S-I-U-M. I got to give credit where it's due, man. I just appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I'm looking at the picture now and it's it's pretty dope. Like so what I'm gonna ask Rob, I'm I'm gonna ask him if I can get in on the next one if I host one more show with you. Oh definitely. We gotta bring right, you cool. into this. For sure. <laughs> I mean okay, so here's the thing. I got a little um uh, you know, for one, thank you, Rob, for giving me muscles I'm probably never ever gonna have. I appreciate it. Uh wh- what do you think, Anthony? Cause I got a mic, I know Natalie's got a camera. Do you see yourself with like, you know, like the boom mic that looks like an axe or a hammer? What do you think? I, I was definitely thinking of using some sort of equipment as a weapon. So a boom mic as an axe sounds pretty good. Maybe uh, a mic cord could use that like a like a rope and a lasso. Ooh. So I don't know, there's, there's definitely some options there. Or maybe, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about MMA. I could just have the four-ounce gloves on and ready to give them that work. I, I love it. I'm going to talk to him. Right, I'm going to text him right after the show and be like, hey, listen, for season two, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> no, but um, no. Once again, Rob, thank you. Uh, let's honor the work by giving it the work. Let's get started. Um, let's start at UFC Vegas six. Anthony, Derek Lewis, Alexio Linick. Um, re- I know uh, he maybe didn't throw down like you wanted to. I was impressed with the composure of Alexi. He reversed a lot of positions on Derek where I thought like, oh, this is. He's about to take the damage in the first round. I was really impressed. I think that he showed off why he's one of the best submission artists in the game. His grappling is at that very elite level. But very bluntly, and we we joked about this, but it is hard to choke a guy with 
you know, virtually no neck in Derek. The scarf choke, he had it for a good minute. I was surprised because I thought he's not going to want to even lift up his hands in the second round as long as he was going for the choke. To his credit, he didn't look worse for wear yet going into the second round. But the size and the strength of Derek Lewis just really was too much. He really just, um, he powered out of everything. He did impress me. He was very good at just the little subtleties that got him out of some bad positions on the ground. Reversed Alexi and really that was just it. He, Alexi just did not have the ability, I think, to get him out of there the way he wanted to. And when you're up against a guy like Derek Lewis, you really got to put some on him because... That's a freight train coming at you. Yeah, man, I, I think that this fight, more than anything, showed uh, the evolution of Derek Lewis. And we, we, you know, last week we were joking about how illogical a lot of his fights are. And this still had some elements of that illogical where, you know, uh, a seasoned grappler like Alexio Lennon gets you in a submission hold that you should be tapping to. He, he takes superior positions that you shouldn't be able to get out of. And somehow or another, Derek Lewis just decides he doesn't feel like tapping out he doesn't feel like you know being in that disadvantaged position and he just gets up uh we we saw that but we did see see it with a little more technical nuance uh i, I think an earlier version of Derek lewis probably would have tapped out uh, an earlier version of Derek lewis probably would not be able to get up after uh that takedown in the in the first round and then um would see the momentum go against them you know he it, it, lewis always has that ungodly power that can change everything. But what's making him particularly scary now is that he doesn't um, just solely apply that. It's it's done in a more scientific way. And granted, there's a lot more room for improvement, but the improvements that he's made so far, I, I think kind of put him again on a short list for uh, potential title contenders. I'm with you there. I mean, like you said, uh, illogical is a great way to say it. Um, I, I can't remember which fight it was. It might have been uh, Travis Brown or someone like that. But he just goes out there and he does like a bunch of flying knees, jumping knees. Look at Derek Lewis. Imagine how much he weighs. Look at his legs. It's I'll say it bluntly. He's a big guy, but it's not like he's got tree trunks for legs. There's probably a couple middleweights with bigger calves and quads than Derek. And he's just out there leaping in the air and seemingly, you know... He does it very consistently. It doesn't wear him out. And it's like, I, I just imagine a lot of guys his size, you do that twice, you're probably tearing an ACL by the second round. And Derek does it with no abandon. That is just something. And um, I'm with you there. It's subtle stuff. Yes, he's clearly working on his weight and getting down. He talked about it. But he definitely, you know, he's a joker. I know he does not only train 30 minutes if he wants to win fights and make money. But he clearly is doing that work in the gym to just make himself slowly a better, more technical fighter on the ground. And like you said, it is paying off. I was impressed with it. Um, Absolutely. Moving forward, uh, Curtis Blade seems like the obvious one. That's not to say that there can't be a curveball by the end of the year, in my opinion. So the way I see it playing out is, regardless of what happens this Saturday... I feel like it's Stipe against somebody for the heavyweight title. And I think when you have that, the obvious choice is either Francis Ngannou or John Jones. In the event that somehow Stipe is not involved, 
then I can see the possibility of Derek fighting somebody else. Maybe an Nganu rematch, maybe, you know. But I still think that Curtis Blades is the front runner because I think if there's no Stipe in the heavyweight title picture, it's only because you're opening the door for a guy like Jones to move up. But without that, I don't see Derek fighting anybody besides Blades because Stipe is going to be held up with either J um, Jones or Nganu. And I don't think that anybody else would really serve either Derek or Curtis Blades, for that matter, in my opinion. You, you definitely have a point there. But I, but I think with Derek Lewis, you also have to look at the sort of fights that, that, that we like to see him in. And I know the UFC matchmakers are looking at that, too. I say we can go ahead and get weird. Put him up against Alistair Overeem. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fight where it does it is important as far you know the the number four and the number seven guy in the rankings uh, taking on one another. It, it's a very important fight. However, it also has the fun factor. Blades versus Lewis is definitely the fight to make when you're talking about a pure ranking standpoint. But with Derek Lewis, we're not talking about. Um, the the pure fighter that's that's gunning his way to to a title shot necessarily that may not be his his plan his plan could just be as he said as he takes it as a job he's just making money um, I think you can sell a, a Lewis versus Overeem fight very well uh, and also too the that that style matchup seems more intriguing to me because the same sort of the same sort of deficiencies that we'll see in the other guy against um, against Blades. <clears throat> they're e even more magnified with Overeem. You've got, you know, with Blades, you got to worry about it turning into the Nganu fights and he gets dropped early and, and, and it's over. Um, that even more so with Overeem, considering how depleted his chin has been over the years. Um, as far as, as the grappling being an issue and the body shots um, for Lewis, Overeem, I think, would be able to apply a mixture of those better than Blades will. Um, so... I, I think that's the fight you 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 want. You want more fun. Uh, you want uh, something that's going to guarantee action, and at the same time, you do preserve uh, some legitimacy for the rankings. Uh, I like that one a lot, um, Derek. I, I don't know if you saw the virtual media day. I know MMA Fighting posted our clip, but Derek did uh, put Overeem on blast and say that he had uh, turned down the fight three times. I do hope to run into McMaynard to confirm that news, but I am interested in that. Uh, I know there were rumors about uh, Overeem in September. I don't think, um, I want to say it was Augusto Sakai, I, which I don't yeah. think propels him forward. I think that Overeem is a guy that, um, I mean, if you can fight Derek, I don't see why you wouldn't at this particular juncture. I understand before when he was coming off the two losses, maybe Overeem felt like he was on the upswing. But right now, I do like it. And I do like that fight a lot better than Lewis versus Blades. But um, I don't know. I think a lot of that is on the timing and on Overeem's part. Because I do think that Lewis would prefer, at the end of the day, Overeem over Blades. But... I get that they feel like there's better matchups for them so on Overeem's part, so I get that. But then I also feel like Curtis Blades is like, you're kind of in a box. Because truth be told, no matter how this plays out, you are not getting a heavyweight title shot until probably about second quarter of 2021. So you kind of got to pick your poison. How long do you want to wait and try to leverage that in the heavyweight division? So it's quite right, a good point, too. 
And then also we, we got to factor in the, the personality differences here because Curtis Blades has been one of the fighters very vocal uh, about fighter pay and kind of kind of thumbing his nose at, at the UFC. They normally don't take kindly to that. That normally does not get you rewarded a title shot. So um, just just for that alone, the UFC might pass him up. No, for sure. That is another very big factor into this one. And um, it will play out, especially because, you know, and we'll probably talk about it, you know, not even on the air, but sure, certainly it's worth a show. Just everything that's about to happen with the heavyweight title, with Jones and the light heavyweight title, with a lot of this, it's about to come to a head late in the year because guys are going to have to just take fights. Just very bluntly, at the end of the day, you know, decisions will have to be made or things are going to have to move on. And there's a lot of big name players involved in both of these divisions. So it's going to be something. Right. Um, to touch on a few things, uh, Chris Weidman, he impressed me. That was nice. He gets back in the win column. And we talked about just how much of a must win that started. that was starting to look like for him. Uh, Kevin Holland got rebooked after his fight fell out last minute last week. So... Uh, nice business as usual fight card. I just want to acknowledge that because last week did turn into quite a nightmare, wasn't it? So it was good. Right. Yeah, I, that was that was a, a pleasant surprise to see him um, get get a win. I, you know, it just it just kind of worries me because you, you look at you look at where he stands in the rankings, and he's such um he's such a big name that y- you beating the number eleven guy, um. He's probably gonna get uh, put into the top ten when they update the rankings. Um, do we really see Chris Weidman as a as a top ten contender at, at middleweight? I, even with this win, I, I don't. So I'm I'm kind of nervous actually um, if this emboldens him to take on more very um, dangerous challenges uh, for someone who's gone through the ringer the way he has. You know, to me, it's just that. The middleweight division, it's like one or two guys away from feeling like the lightweight division. When you really look at it from Adesanya, Rob, Costa, Romero, um, Darren Till in the mix, Kelvin Gastelum was there for a minute. I think he needs to get it back on the upswing too. But, you know, it's just one of those things that the 5 through 10, I feel, are very interchangeable. You got tough guys who could really have a breakthrough any given night. But when you talk about getting through that top five and beating two or three of them to get to the belt, if you're a Chris Weidman, it's hard to see that. And I think that's my thing is that um, certainly, look, he showed he had a, he has a lot of ability still. But I'm with you there. I don't see a big run in him. And I think that, like you said, his name value... Do you put him in there against the uh, Darren Tills and, you know, the Rob Whitakers? I can't say I see that. But then it's like, okay, if you're putting him against Shabazian and Derek Brunson, who's the guy you're trying to put over? And I think that becomes a really serious question because, hey, do you want popular veteran Chris Weidman in the picture? Or are you, you know, I hate to say it so bluntly, willing to burn him? To put a guy like Edmund or Derek higher, that's quite something, and I'm not really sure what the answer is right now. Yeah, and and I think I think also too when you look at the alternative, uh, and, and instead of using him to build up contenders, 
I mean, why not give him that that trilogy fight with Anderson Silva? You know, why not have a rematch with Luke Rockhold, who has decided to unretire um, as of a couple days ago? So so when you're looking at you're looking at the other puzzle pieces that could be moving, you have more favorable matchups that carry more weight from a promotional standpoint, Um, because if we're being honest with ourselves, like it's just it's so unlikely that we'll see uh, Chris Weidman at this stage of his of his career, you know, get past a Jack Hermanson or get through the winner of Whitaker and, and Jared Cannonier. Like it just it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, we can throw him to to an Edmund Shabazzian and see if uh, Shabazzian can rebuild himself, um, perhaps even a, a rematch with Kelvin Gaslam. But those are two very, very dangerous guys for him at this stage and, and Derek Brunson as well. So I, I'm just I'm just not feeling the idea of throwing him to the wolves like that. Uh, when you have those other options that that can be entertaining uh, as well. Now, for sure, I think it'll be a. I, I'm interested to see the matchmaking because I think it'll give a great indicator who do they really feel is the guy that you can really get behind and build it. By the way, you mentioned him. I don't know how I missed him. Jared Cannonier. He's another great reason 185 is exciting right now. And like I said, that top five is just that's just a Shark Tank. That really, you know. And going back to it, it's like, if you're Chris Weidman after you, you know, yes, he snapped it, but he was still five out of his last six um, didn't go his way. You're not going to get to an Adesanya without beating at least two of them, I think, at this stage of his career. I just don't think that you're going to have enough believers. And logistically, there's going to be someone else in the top five who could step up even if someone gets hurt. So this is a tougher one for Weidman. But yeah, I am interested. And I give credit where it's due. He looked good against a guy who was very motivated and tough on Saturday. So, um, uh, Let's go ahead, uh, Anthony. MMA News, they decided to just drop it all at once. And I kind of liked it that way for this card. Um, November 21st is essentially going to... You remember when they named them? It's going to pretty much be the flight of the flyweights. Both champions are going to be in action Davison Figueredo comes back. He's going to be taking on Cody Garbrandt. A lot to break down there. And Valentina Shevchenko will indeed be getting Jennifer Maya. You and I just gave our thoughts about that very recently. I'm shocked that they booked it so quickly, but I take that to be that Valentina is feeling better. And if you're Jennifer Maya, what do you got to lose? I'm sure it's very easy to negotiate. She wasn't about to ask for the bank. Uh, I just see that coming together very quickly negotiation-wise. Um, just initial thoughts on everything, because this is uh, an interesting doubleheader, to say the least. I, I'm not surprised at all by this, because I don't think you're really going to sell um, one of these fights at the top of the of the card without the other. It just, it, it just doesn't really, you know, Valentina Shevchenko, for as great of a fighter as she is, um, they're just aren't enough you know names that, that generate a lot of interest that we really want to see her against. So so at this point it's kind of like just just throwing meat to a lion. Now um, as far as uh, Figueroa and and Garbrandt, I mean of course Garbrandt is the from a promotional standpoint the A side of that. Um, but I don't know it just I I don't like the Garbrandt Figueroa fight simply because I want to see the flyweight division exist on its own. And and let it build up. And, and Garbrandt is a guy who's one in three in his last four. 
Um, and those three losses were were early knockouts. I, it just this doesn't scream title shot to me, uh, and especially for a guy who who has never competed at 125. Uh, now I I get why they're stacking it like this though. From you know to to sell it uh, to have a selling point where okay you may not care necessarily about either one of these fights, right, but we're gonna put two belts on the poster and see if that uh, gets your attention. So yeah, that's cool. They 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 did that, but you know as far as 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 far as uh, Bullet is concerned, you know you can just throw anybody up against her, and we talked about that last week. Maya, um, if Col- if Calderwood had won. Or uh, Lauren Murphy was another option, and uh, Cynthia Calvillo. You know, it, it doesn't really matter who they put her up against because we kind of know what's going to happen in those. Um, and and Figueroa versus Cody Garbrandt is going to be an intriguing fight. It's just not the right fight to make, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that. Um, and I I noticed very quickly after they announced that they also announced a big flyweight bout, Brandon Moreno versus Alex Perez. You got to think that that was obviously done on purpose. Um, I'm sure they're thinking about what they can do with uh, Askar Askarov, who won recently. Um, it's it's kind of goes back to the Jose Aldo getting that bantamweight title shot. You know exactly why. It's because the name value. Respectfully, if you were to put Davison versus Brandon Moreno or Askarov, that was just that is not going to open wallets. Plain and simple, it's not that they're mm-hmm. not great fighters, but we know pay per view business is different than any other fight card. Let's be honest. The entire point is to sell. The entire point is to get people. Um, if you have a great fight, that's obviously key. When you have a level of personalities that can get non-MMA fans to hit that purchase button, that's obviously the goal every time. And and obviously the best events are where you have guys who could do both, elite guys, personalities, they get everyone's attention. Um, so I get Cody getting the title shot in that way. Um, that being said, yeah, this is a big gamble because, um, for one, I do think that if you're Figueredo, obviously you put him over in a big way, and I think that would be huge for him. Um, but that being said, if Cody wins, it's like, okay, well now, now you kind of have to lock him in at flyweight because really, just um, what are you, you know, if you take him out of there, you might as well. It's like they keep giving flyweight division medicine. But then they pull the ventilator every so often. Yeah. It's like, I really don't know what you could do with it. I'll be honest. Yeah. They got a little lucky that it worked out in the rematch for Figueredo because when he missed weight and it beat Benavidez, it was like, I'll say, well, shoot, what the heck do we do now? So this is another big gamble. Um, and I know Okamoto talked about it, but really, you know, Cody was another big name away from being back in the picture at Bantamweight just on his name value. So... This is a very interesting one. I'm surprised about that. Man, I'm I'm telling you, this is this is so frustrating to see this happen because the flyweight division was just a shred away from being completely discarded in the very recent past, you know. And now that you finally have some sort of stability um, able to happen in that division, uh, with Cejudo gone and not well, for all intents and purposes, not coming back, and if he does come back. Very unlikely that he goes to 125. Um, you you now can see movement in this division. You now can see flyweights actually fight one another. Um, we haven't had 
um, you know, before the Figueroa uh, Benavidez fight, the last uh, flyweight title fight we had was another bantamweight uh, champion dropping down, um, you know, for for the Dillashaw and, and Cejudo fight. So we could have an actual division just functioning now. And you, and then on top of that, for Figueroa to be the sort of fighter he is, you know, this is this is a potential star right here. This is a knockout artist. This is a guy who fights in a way that casual fans will love to watch. So why jeopardize that uh, simply to throw Cody Garbrandt in a title shot that he probably shouldn't be in? I, I you know, I, I'm not quite understanding it. Um, and and I think it, it Garbrandt would even be better served to just stay at bantamweight and and work his trade there, um, and or maybe at the very least take a flyweight fight, uh, and then. Uh, ease your way into a title shot. But let's be completely honest about what Garbrandt's intentions most likely are. Do you think he's going to defend that belt if he wins? Oh, or do no. you think he's going to parlay it into a Bantamweight title fight? And now we're back in the exact same position <laughs> that we were just in months ago. So what is the point of all of this? You know, uh, you see this happen with some very talented guys and um, I, I, to to detour from Garbrandt when I say this is that you saw with Valentina I mean she was I think right after beating Jessica I her next fight it didn't even make pay-per-view she headlined a regular fight night which is great to you know build her name for fans who haven't had a chance to watch her but then similar to Amanda Nunes she really wasn't getting the headlining treatment you know co-main event to somebody uh, a little bit and so I really feel like Figueredo, uh, Valentina and Figueredo, you know, by themselves, I know cannot carry a pay-per-view right now. With as much as it is and as often as they put them on, it just was not going to happen. So to me, and we talked about this, I would have rather, okay, you could put them as a headliner, but just stack that co-main event. Like I said, you put Figueredo against somebody, Brandon Moreno or something, let's say that. And then your co-main event is Dustin versus Tony. I mean, come on. It sells itself. Just, you know, you don't have to worry about the sales. You don't have to worry that the co-main is bigger than the main. But you could do that. So to pair them together, you almost now really need Cody Garbrandt's star power. Which, to your point, now that's just unfair. And like you said, when you play everything out to its conclusion, we are right back where we were a year plus ago, so I'm with you there. Um, I want to move on. I want to talk to Val about Valentina real quick, though. Uh, this one, and I mentioned it, if JoJo Calderwood beating Valentina was already David slaying Goliath, what do you call Jennifer Maya doing it? Because I'll say it again. Before JoJo stepped up, this wasn't a title eliminator. Jennifer Maya was probably fighting for her UFC job, and now you're going in there to fight you know, the one some people argue is talent-wise the best uh, female fighter in the world right now. That's just ridiculous. It's um, it would be something to see her pull it off, to say the least. It would be. I mean, that that definitely would be a, a, an historic upset. And then, especially looking at you know how close she was to to exiting the promotion. Um, I yeah, I I'm I just I don't want to. Um, see, I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to word, word this very carefully here. Like I'm, 
I'm not anticipating that. I don't think anybody really is, but it would be something to witness. Um, that that being said, there was a reason why Jennifer Maya was, uh, you know, came up short against uh, Caitlin Chikogian, came up short against Liz Carmouche. Um, you, you know, this is this is not a very good fight for her, uh, other than the paycheck attached. So get the bag, but I, I would not um, I would not carve out any extra room on her trophy case if I were Jennifer Maya. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is. You know, that's what they're going to sell, though, is that story, the major upset. Can she do it? And um, like you said, it's uh, it would be something to witness. But oh, my, like you're telling me right now, I feel confident telling everybody what kind of bet that is. And, you know, to the credit, that's Valentina Shevchenko saying I will fight anybody because just to stay active in 2020, because like we talked about, they're looking to do Rose versus Wei Lee. And if Whaley wins that, definitely a champ versus champ fight, I think, is in the works with Tatiana Suarez not in the picture. And Jessica Andrade coming to the division as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she picks up a win, and then I'm, I'm pretty certain they'll put her in front of uh, Shevchenko. So there, there are things to look forward to. But, yeah, she's you know Shevchenko's not doing herself any favors by just sitting around waiting um, while everything else plays out. Uh, considering how long all of that could take. So, you know, why not take this fight, uh, get, get yourself a, a paycheck and keep your, keep your name active. And, and we, you know, while we can, we can dismiss the, the um, potential um, chances of, of, a, of a challenger against her, let's keep in mind how long it took for Anderson Silva to become a star and how long it took for, for him to get his just due. Um, from from a promotional standpoint, and he was slaying people for a while before, you know, the the general sports world started paying attention and saying, "Oh, this guy's a killer," you know, and and Shevchenko could very well be headed for that sort of arc as well. Um, so so you don't you, so you, there is a merit to having bodies thrown at you to destroy, uh, because it all ties into your legend at the end of the day. Absolutely, I'm with you there, and I think that that's just a. Um... With the UFC schedule, I think that, look, I love having as many fights as possible. Who doesn't if you're a fan? That being said, um, that's the double-edged sword, right? With so many fights so often, you can have very talented people that just, you know, you're in a business where you got personalities like the Conor McGregor's, Israel Adesanya's, and Jorge Masvidal's of the world. All of those guys command pay-per-view attention, and rightfully so. It's hard to be another guy or girl that's like, hey, you know, I'm killing it and I'm this and that and I may be a covert spy who pulled out of a fight because I had to accomplish a secret mission. It's hard to, you know, be another person that gets people to part with their hard-earned money during a pandemic. So it's just difficult. It's an unenviable position is my point. But, you know, like you said, you know, she's making lemonade out of lemons and she's staying active. And to her credit, she was also, she was planning to fight in June. That just didn't happen. So, yeah. um, final note, man, and it, I just go back to it. Similar to like Tony versus Dustin, if you got to put one of these champs as the headliner, if no one else is available. I really even, I really thought the November pay-per-view is the one we would be talking about John Jones. Because I really thought, hey, you're going to revisit this conversation. 
and either you're going to make a call there or we're going to hear Reyes versus Blahovich interim title and just get this ball moving again. So the fact that neither of those ever seem to really get put in play, I don't know. That's just frustrating because now I feel like we are we are now reaching, you know, lapping the field for the champions and some stuff isn't happening, you know? Yeah, I, I just wonder what's going on behind the scenes there. We we've seen a lot of um a, a lot of public displays of of anger and frustration between John Jones and Dana White um in regards to pay. I mean, we we were just what weeks removed from from Jones's very long Twitter rant uh, about his pay breakdown and you know what upset him about it. And he's rightful, right, rightfully upset. So I, I just wonder what sort of concessions have been made or are or, or in the works of being made. You know, let's also consider what happened to um, someone who is, you know, managed by the same company, by, by the same group, um, Jorge Masvidal, who at the same time was frustrated with pay and was very vocal and speaking out and going on Twitter rants, revealing a lot of trade secrets. Um, you, you know, the UFC made an offer for that title fight and he accepted it. Now, we're not privy to a lot of the terms um, in that, uh, but we, I think it's safe to assume that he got more than he initially was going to get, considering the circumstances. Um, I would, you know, think that maybe this is this is the sort of thing that's going on behind the scenes at a much slower pace uh, for Jones, that there is some a level of negotiations going on and concessions that are going to be made. And I would expect him to be back in the cage before long um, with a higher guaranteed figure or more pay-per-view points or some some sort of monetary compensation uh, that that's more uh, more in line with what he wanted in the first place. And so because because, you know, otherwise UFC has zero, zero issue moving on from you. They have zero issue uh, with doing that. And, and when we saw we saw them do this to Conor McGregor for what was supposed to be the main event of UFC 200. So they really, you know, they really have a limit with everyone, no matter how, no matter how great you are, no matter how much of a star you are, no, no matter how much promotional muscle that you have, they have no problem getting to the end of the line with you and saying goodbye. Um, so I've just wondered what the breaking point is with Jones. We clearly haven't reached that yet. Otherwise, there will be some sort of announcement about an interim title fight by now. See, uh, I, and I completely agree with everything you're saying, 100%. And to me, though, the thing that makes it frustrating is you put Jones back in play. You're not trying to put so much pressure on this double header to carry because really, you know, and respectfully, I think they're all talented fighters that we, we've talked about these four headlining in November. But also acknowledge that you're, the casual fan is not parting with their cash to watch them. So if you're going to put them over and build them into the stars you know they can be and can grow into, you pair them with these established guys. And the fact is, Jones sitting out, it has now put pressure on all the other champions to stay active and be out here. And mind you, there are a bunch of them, so, you know, that is that is a fair point. But... I feel like if you're going to grow Davison and Valentina and them into what you want, you got to get more people watching them. And them headlining their own pay-per-view is not going to do the same as if you put them co-main event to one of these guys. And I really felt like, once again, the November event, 
I thought this was supposed to be when the clock started flashing red, you know what I mean? Like, hey, something must happen. And now we'll start talking about December soon enough, and that'll be another revisit of the issue. So we'll be getting yes. there soon once again. Yeah, uh, you, and, you wonder, and you wonder, too, sorry, um, when, when the UFC is putting all these, these fights together, are they, I mean, I can't imagine that they're not thinking about well, Jones is going to be off the schedule. So, you know, if if you have if you have uh, low selling pay-per-views, you know, with without these star fighters like a John Jones on the card, while John Jones and his management team is sitting down trying to negotiate for more money. Well, that's got to help um, Jones decide a whole lot to see uh, a pay-per-view sell one hundred fifty thousand. You know, knowing yeah. that his presence on that would have would have easily quadrupled that number. <laughs> so you are not um, wrong. You are not yeah. wrong. This is a very real thing. Yes. Right. So so you so you got to imagine they're sitting back in there in their war room with all their names on on the board and who to place where that they've got to stack things in their favor to have a better position to negotiate from. It's you gonna- know, I. I it's one of those one of those things behind the scenes that um, a lot of people don't think about, but we know for sure has to exist. Oh, absolutely. They're they're making things happen. And, you know, to their credit, they've always they've done a good job continuing the schedule. But, you know, you're starting to see those little uh, putters of smoke coming out of the exhaust of the race car right now. You know what I mean? And I absolutely. think that, um, yeah, the end of the year is going to be quite something because also... Not for nothing, Anthony, but I think about this when I see cases rising, schools all virtual. My um, my friend just posting about her nephew, first day of kindergarten, and it's completely virtual. He's staying at home, and it's like, okay, we kind of we've done this a lot. We're about to have Halloween, where it's kind of like one of those like home alone situations. I'm gonna pull the rope from inside the house and the candy's going to fall from the porch i'm not even going to have them touch the door you know what i mean so it's one of those things it's like guys we are getting close to 2021 and we're still might be continuing as we have been this is not a good feeling so yeah uh, the fact is uh, my point of all that is that eventually if things don't change in the world, we are going to have to concede that things are going to have to change for us. We can't just put on hold indefinitely if we want to continue business. So, Right. Absolutely. The, the, the reality uh, is going to have to catch up um, to what's going on in the world. Like our reality cannot be devoid um, uh, of, of the outside world and, and can't be divorced from what's actually going on, um, you know, outside of our bubble. Yeah. We'll figure it out, man. Don't worry. You'll be able to get Adonis out of the house. Everyone's already going to have a mask on. It'll be nice. Um, I'm just going in my backyard for right now. <laughs> I get that. Good idea. It's smart. Um, let's talk featherweights before we break down 252, huh? Um, Yair Rodriguez out once again of the fight with Zabit. Uh, Dana White says it's a um, sprained ankle, which certainly for a guy like Yair, you can't really do what you do on a sprained ankle. I don't think. Um, but really, I guess the big thing, this is starting to feel like featherweight, Tony versus Habib. It's so fun on paper, just, you know, this is like Mortal Kombat 
kind of fight. Just the spins, the kicks, they're going to take flight. They're going to really high-level, creative, imaginative, control-the-distance striking. Um, I was all in for it. At this point, though, with the featherweight division, the fact is there are guys out there for the title, and we're going to talk about it. I do feel like Zabit still needs the big one, personally speaking. I do think Yair still needs the big one to get them over for me to say, oh yeah, you are ready to take to fight the Max Holloways and the um, the Volkanovskis of the division. I just think they need one more. So in that way, I do still really want to see this one because I really feel like that's going to be the litmus test of their elite abilities. I think that stylistically it just makes it a lot more fun Whereas I think if they fight other people, specifically some really strong grapplers, I don't see that. I don't see them continuing their run. I think the hype train is going to just derail for one of them. So I do still want to see this fight, plain and simple. Yeah, I, I definitely um, am, am with you on, on wanting to see this fight. It's, it sounds like a fantastic matchup on paper. Uh, even just from their their physical dimensions and and what their their reaches are and their heights and everything, it just seems very intriguing. Um, when when you couple that with their styles, um, I, I don't know whether or not uh, you necessarily ha- need these guys need to have this fight against one another to propel them to to elite level at featherweight. Uh, you know, uh, Zabit's win over Calvin Cater, I, I think, more than qualifies. Um, before that, Jeremy Stevens, granted, the the obvious flaws in, um, you know, in his approach, or at least from a cardio standpoint, what he looked like toward the end of those fights, uh, it can definitely be um, a, a mark against him. But Yair has had absolutely elite level competition in his last two fights, Jeremy Stevens being one of them, and, and Korean Zombie, and probably the greatest knockout of all time. So I I think they're already at the level where you can rightfully put them in front of a Holloway or you can, um, you know, discuss what it would look like against Volkanovsky. That makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm, I am getting a serious Tony versus Khabib vibe here because there was that point in time where either one of those guys could have, um, could have been you know, filled in for a, a late notice title shot and we would have had no problem with it. Or they could have been in the number one contender fight and we would have no problem with it. They weren't quite at that level um, just yet. They were just on the cusp of it. And we really, really wanted that fight. Uh, you know, I think by the, what was it, the second time that they booked this, they were, um, I think they were booked as a headliner for a Fox card that, in, that ended up getting shifted around and stuff. So, I'm I really want to see this fight, but it's it's gone Tony can be territory to where I'm not even I'm not even putting my hopes on it. it I won't believe it until the cage door locks behind them. So, uh, you know, I was said it, I said it when they when this matchup was made again. We're not seeing this for a little while. Um, so let the division move on without them. They'll they'll meet when the, when the time is right. Yeah, I think there's no other way to say it. Um, In terms of the contention, I guess the fight with Cater for Zabit looks better today than it did last year when he actually got him. Um, Same thing for uh, Stevens. Uh, With Yair, I guess for me it's the fact that he had such a long layoff and he was losing that fight up until he pulled out the buzzer beater. 
uh, I guess for me, I, I personally, I need one more. I'll admit that. I just need one more in order for me to believe, yeah, you are going to go 25 minutes with Max or Alex and you can win all of it if you don't get a knockout or a, you know, the, I never can pronounce it, the Suluev stretch, something like that. Right. For me, I just need that. And, you know, which um, I agree with you, though, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. And we're going to see because let's uh, discuss the curveball we've had going on. So uh, I don't got to say it. You guys have seen it. There is apparently the possibility of Max versus Alex 3 on the table. And Dana White is, I think everyone is acknowledging that regardless if you think Max won, which I personally did score the rematch for him, the fact is it's hard to sell the optics of Alex literally won back-to-back decisions and we're still about to sell this fight as an immediate third in the featherweight for the featherweight title. I, um, Anthony, I'm just going to very bluntly say that were they to do that, I almost feel like it would be just admitting that, you know, you just want Max as your champion. And I love Max. I would love to hang out with him in Hawaii. I would love for Mini Bless to pass me a towel after me and his dad have hung out surfing. I think he's a cool guy. I would love to hang out with him on Twitch and maybe we team up to kill some people in some video games. Uh, it's great. I get it. And he has a great resume. But at this point, you got to just move on and just give Alex the fights he deserves because he's proven what he has to. They were close. Max Holloway is a very fantastic fighter. Alex Volkanovsky, he's coming off beating Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo. The first fight with Max was close. That's credit to both of them. The second fight was close. That's credit to both of them. But he won the fights. You just gotta... I'm sorry, but you just gotta call it for what it is. If he loses, by all means, Max is right there for another title shot. It'll happen. But at this point, you know, every time they say it, my heart breaks a little bit because I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any any better, man. It just it, at at a certain point, you just have to let the guy fight someone else. You know, are we just going to keep having Max Holloway fight Volkanovski until he wins? Because that's that's essentially what it looks like is, is going to be going on if they if they book this third fight, uh, you, you know, and then and then what if if Max wins? Um, you know, Volkanovski will be well within his rights to demand an immediate title shot uh, on his part. So we're going to do this a fourth time. It, you know, it it just it just starts snowballing out of control. And it's not like you're doing this at a, in a division um, like women's flyweight or doing this in a division like light heavyweight where you don't have a whole lot of people at the top. You've got more than enough bodies. We We were just talking about uh, Yair and, and Zabit, you know, granted, even if you don't think they're they're exactly ready to fight uh, Volkanovski for the belt, would you really be mad if that was booked? We got Korean Zombie sitting right there. Yes. Um, Calvin Cater, as we mentioned before, there, Frankie Edgar is entering the division. There are plenty. Um, oh, uh, Frankie Edgar is going to bantamweight now. Apologize, you but can. yeah, uh, yeah. So. There, there are plenty of people that can step up in this role while Holloway rebounds with a win against someone else. 
Like this is the UFC is it, they do such a terrible job of forcing rematches. They've squandered a lot of potential good uh, rematches and trilogies by pushing the agenda too soon. We already talked about Cody Garbrandt. Um, you know his, you know his two title shots. I mean his his title shot against um, against T.J. Dillashaw after getting knocked out in the first round. Like it in the second round, it wasn't necessary. Um, then you had Joanna uh, after she got slept by by Rose, and they throw her right back in. Like you don't have to, and don't even get me started about JDS and Kane. You know a trilogy <laughs> that was that was just forced uh, for no other reason than okay, we want. We want this guy to win. So stop doing that. Let this division happen naturally. And Max Holloway very likely will rise back to the top, you know, or at least at least earn another title shot. So I, I don't I don't understand why they need to do it like this. I guess to me, like, OK, what is your situation at lightweight? He's not about to move up. You certainly are not about to possibly screw out a Conor McGregor for Max Holloway for an, a potential shot. You know that, you know that Tony, if he wins um, his next fight, he's going to be right there and do big business. You don't need to force Max Holloway up in there. If you really believe in Max, put him with the zombie. Put him with somebody he would have to defend the title against anyway, if you believe it, and give Alex Volkanovsky whoever you think, you know, should be next. Uh, Max versus Zabit, let's do it. Um, Alex versus Zombie, I feel like that should be the fight under the circumstances. And I know they're doing this whole Zombie versus Ortega um, and all this other stuff. Brian Ortega going to have to make another choice, go after the rapper or the fighter. Uh, I'm <laughs> just make some stuff happen, but yeah, I, I can't. I'm sorry. Look, I, like I said, I love Max. I scored the rematch for him. Alex won the first two fights. If you're going to sell the third one, I can't tell you I'm pumped up for it. I just can't. It's just not it's just not there for me. And I don't know um if you can bank on Alex, sorry, on Max's star power to if you're doing this for pay-per-view business or what have you to carry, you know, to get people to hit purchase a third time. I just don't see it. So I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting, but yeah, like there's options, um, zombies, a beat. I for me, their activity puts them ahead of Yair. Um, mm -hmm. Pick either one of them against uh, Volkanovski and give the other one to Max. If that's where we're at, that's where we're at. Let's do it. But um, yeah. anything else at th at this point, I just can't say I like it. Just bluntly, I can't. Yeah, one hundred percent agree with you on that. Like, let's let's stop forcing. Uh, this this fight to happen. Uh, we've seen it twice already. Max Law bo both times. Let him earn his way back now. Yep, let's do it. I'm ready for it. Anthony, we have reached that time. UFC 252 this Saturday. I will be there. And so if you guys are looking for uh, inside scoop, tune in to next week's episode and I will have it. But I'm here in Vegas. I'm not in uh, Gabriel HQ, as I like to call it. So it's good. I could say this. When I do the shows on location, it's like, oh, you know, it, I really am getting to that point. So that makes makes it exciting. Let's start from the bottom up. We'll do uh, pretty much from the middle of the card going up. Let's start with the heavyweight fight. Junior Dos Santos, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. 
high, you know, high likelihood of extreme damage. Jorginho has a ridiculous record of first round knockouts. Uh, JDS, he's got the pedigree that speaks for itself and his boxing, his hands are still as strong and fast as ever. If, you know, maybe he's not as durable as he was uh, years ago. This is a fun fight. It's a good fight. For me, the hook, though, is that people don't talk about it because I think that um, his physique, especially when you put him against Junior or Nganu for that matter, Jorginho doesn't look the part. He's got a ridiculous, by the way, winning like over 70 or 80 wins in kickboxing. He's like Mark Hunt, just you, he doesn't look like it, but he's credential-wise probably one of the best strikers that we have in MMA right now. And really when I pair him up with Junior, Junior's lack of using much Muay Thai or kickboxing makes this a very hard fight for him. Yes, he's got the speed and the power, but I think against a guy with just more weapons, who has that IQ, it is a very hard fight for Junior Dos Santos, in my opinion. I, I think this is a, a tough fight for him, but I think it's an even tougher fight for, for Rosenstruck. Um, he certainly can go out there and, and land you know, that one big shot that just that just rocks JDS and, and puts him to sleep like you know, like Rosenstruck has done with just about everybody else. But there's also the possibility that the better technical striker, the, the guy, or at least for, for MMA purposes, that the guy who is who is more versed for MMA as as an entirety is is able to use that technique um, and use that experience against him. You know, like we saw with Alistair Overeem until, of course, that that last punch landed in the very last second that that split Overeem's face and, and, the, and the fight was was um, was out of his hands at that point. I, I think if if, jo, if Dos Santos goes out there and doesn't make the mistakes that he did against uh, like in Ghana, where he he like turned his back and was like trying to trying to create some space and got clipped from behind. If we don't see JDS make any mistakes like that, he has a very, very good chance uh, of beating Rosenstruck. Um, and and I'm, I'm reluctantly favoring him to do it. I, I think we've seen we've seen Jarzino, you know, succumb to, uh, you know, to superior uh, superior striking and um, with with Overeem. And while Nganu just kind of like just dove at him head first and just was swinging wildly. I don't think we'll, we'll see JDS do anything like that. Uh, and, and Ghana was just a different beast from, from a power standpoint. Uh, but we definitely can see JDS pick up where Overeem left off. I, I think he gets a, a decision win here. Oh man, this is a tough one. I really love, I like Loki. He might be my favorite heavyweight JDS just, um, I've always loved his game and his style. Jorginho's such a tough guy. And I just think about that resume and I'm like, dude, this... I remember when I was like, Chuck Congo is going to go through uh, Mark Hunt. And that just didn't happen. And I always uh, think about that when I think about these guys with the ridiculous kickboxing record. I really think that Jorginho is going to go out there, try to throw his weight around a bit. Really just try to get in the... Make it an ugly fight with Junior. I'm going to go with my heart, though. I'm going to go with you, JDS, for the win. 
This is just such a tough fight, but I think the fact that it's the boxing, you get both of them in close. I think that Junior can get the job done. I'm going to go with JDS for this one, Anthony. I'm with you. All right. I made you a believer. You did. You really did, man. It's like I, I saw the light when I heard your words. What can I say? <laughs> oh, man. All right, so that's a fun one. Uh, let's talk about this Bantamweight co-main event. I think for a lot of people, this is this is supposed to be the breakout party for Sean O'Malley, right? He wins this one. I think you can see uh, main events or you know, co-main events on big cards until he gets a title fight, right? If he wins against Chito Vera. Right. I guess the thing about it is, is can he do what he's done against a guy who is just a significantly step up in competition against uh, Chito Vera? And I'll toss it to you on that one. I, I think, I think uh, O'Malley gets it done. Um, and, and without any disrespect to, to Cheeto Vera, I, from a from a, a style standpoint, he is a tough out for anybody in the division. And he's a guy who's going to stay in your face. He's going to hit you hard and, and he's relentless. Um, but I think that plays into O'Malley's hands. Now, while we we think about O'Malley as far as, you know, the, the personality, the, the hair and the tie dyed shirts and you know, smoking weed and, and just being this outlandish personality who does these fantastic spin kicks and, and and these crazy maneuvers. He's also someone who is very, very skilled from the fundamental standpoint. You know, we look back on that Eddie Wyland knockout. It wasn't some some crazy 360 kick that did it. It was a feint from an uppercut to a cross. You know, uh, something that is very technical boxing. He will have so many opportunities to counter and and to faint and to land shots like that against Vera because Vera will be coming forward the entire time. If O'Malley can control the distance, which I think he can, considering the the, the disparities in, in the length of both gentlemen, I, I think O'Malley will have all the opportunities he needs uh, to to put him out of there. I I while I do think that Vera is a, a tremendous step up in competition for him. And while I will uh, put doubt upon um, O'Malley just just going to a, a title shot completely uncontested, I'll cast doubt on that notion. But I, I don't think it happens Saturday night. I think he finishes Vera in the second round. I'm with you there. I think that um, I think that like you said, his personality. I think that hair. I don't think a lot of people take anyone seriously when you have that many. Uh, neon colors in your hair you know what i mean um but uh definitely not in rap music i mean he's a couple more tattoos away from post malone man i mean dude. <laughs> i can mean you he's imagine, got takashi hair so i mean can you imagine post with that kind of hair you would lock him up for no reason <laughs> but post malone ain't even he's not even a rapper anymore so we we can't even have him in hip-hop conversations no more <laughs> Okay. There's more. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not digress because I feel like the rabbit hole, you know, we're yeah, coming that's... up on it we're in the car. Um, yeah, you know yeah. What? Don't, my... don't get me on the hip hop talks. <laughs> my point, though, is that uh, I, I get it. But um, yeah, I, I think to me is that you kind of want him to have like an Israel Adesanya breakout. And what I mean by that is against Kelvin Gastelum, you have a lot of moments he's up against who's supposed to be a credential wrestler and grappler. And he just defends it well. He ends up on his back and he's throwing up submissions like he's trying to be Damian Maya and he's doing a good job off of his back. 
you want to see that from O'Malley. And I think that's the big thing because if he could do that, you know, holy cow, this kid can really do some damage to a lot of guys off the top of my head at 135. Until we see that, though, it's kind of like Justin Gaethje's wrestling against Habib. We don't really know how good it is or if he has it until we see him have to really use it against guys who really know what they're doing. And I think that this is a step in the right direction. I'm not about to say that Cheeto is the best grappler in, at 135, but he certainly has more tools than a lot of the guys I think that Sean O'Malley has fought to this point. But I do believe in Sean's IQ. I think that when you have a style like that, it is, by this point, common sense. You should be sprawling, brawl, working off your back, get to the feet, active guard. I think if you're going to be a striker like that, you know that is the most important thing you should be working out in the gym if you don't have a fight. Wrestling, defense, get up off your back. I think he's going to be able to do it. And I think on the feet, he's got all the weapons in the world. To put it on Chito Vera, I'm with you there. He gets it done for the win. Yeah, and, uh, and let's second not round forget two. What he what, and let's not forget what he did at Quintet. So we know yeah. O'Malley can grapple. This is very true. I forgot all about Quintet. I mean, hey, it's all different when you know when they could punch you on the ground. They don't do that in Quintet. But you're right. very right. Yes, but we know this. We know that the, there are skills there that we that we didn't see previously. I mean, I wouldn't have even done it if I were him now that I think about it. You want this, you know, you want guys to think you got no ground game and then you just whoosh, like a snake. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting because also there's another one. Cheeto gets this one. You talk about a breakout party for a guy who's been doing work quietly for a couple years now in UFC. So the thing that always gets me, I'm going to digress for one second. Have you ever seen Cheeto do like post-fight scrums sometimes? I don't know if you were there. What was it last year? Um, for two thirty-nine, you should have been. I think I, I was. I wasn't there for the post-fight scrum because I was. I was sitting cage side. Okay. But I, I interviewed him on, on the media day. So he, I don't know. He came. You know, everyone. You know, you have your suits or you have your Reebok gear. He had the most casual. And I'm going to say this because I'm Hispanic. Like, you know, he run, he works at the auto shop in your local community in a small town. Just the shirt untucked, the jeans. And I was like, like, you're a top five guy. He Like, his ability to look like the average Joe is very underrated. And I think that's a big reason why he hasn't popped. You got so many guys who kind of you know their personalities kind of stand out for tv he literally looks like hey when did when did jose you know get on tv and go to the ufc you know what i mean yeah actually when i think about it if i'm not mistaken i think he was wearing a mechanic shirt when i talked to him at media day (laughs) so you get what i mean yeah, he he just has he just has like like an everyday some guy you know like one of your neighbors did, you know that's outside fixing his car sort of vibe, um, and and even just the way the way he talks he's so he's he's really casual and 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 laid back uh, until he gets in the cage of course so th- that's that's a pretty fair assessment I didn't even think about that until you you said it, and by the way and he's like one of the best guys he like I, I read something I couldn't find it again like I heard he grappled like in for the Sheik or something, like they had a competition or whatever, some guy with a lot of money who loves uh, jiu-jitsu, and I was like, dude, you know, 
are you sure it's the same guy? You know, he just, and I think that's a little part of it. I know he doesn't really care about, you know, being this or that for the cameras, but I feel like if he did, he would be such a bigger star. And I think that's why people sleep on him when they see him go out there and fight the way he does. So this is not an easy fight for Sean O'Malley. It's not supposed to be an easy fight for most people, if we're being honest. So no, uh, Cheeto is is going to be a tough out for anybody in the division, and and especially O'Malley with with like the the disparity in skills of of this guy and the guys he's fought before. With, with no no disrespect to Eddie Wyland, of course, in that makes being a, a former WC champ, but um, I, I just think from when we say Styles makes fights, this is what we're talking about. While Vera has. Um, you know, has like this long tenure in the UFC and he's he's put down a lot of people that that we were really high on previously. He still um, he still comes forward very aggressively and he still presents a lot of opportunities for O'Malley to get his counters off. Yeah, I think that um, it's going to be quite something. And um, look, if this is another win for Sean O'Malley, just the biggest feather in his cap, like we said, so. Quite the styled fight, and also Tito's been calling for this fight for a minute, like everyone, but I feel like he's been a little more vocal than most people, so here we go. Anthony, we have reached it. The trilogy, DC, Stipe, number three, all the marbles. DC says that this is the last one, this is his last dance, win or lose. Stipe, I don't know where the rumors come out that he's up for, you know, he might retire too. I don't believe that for one minute, but the fact is, if he beats DC again, there's not too much more he has to prove against the current crop of guys. This is quite bluntly a very good fight. I think there are still guys in the, you know, in line, but for real, this is really a big one for the last 10 years this is like a best of the decade fight in my opinion with these two so yeah it is a big deal in that way i will admit that right now yeah this is a huge deal and you know in my opinion and i know i share this opinion with many other people this is going to determine who's the greatest heavyweight of all time um so the the stakes couldn't be any higher i i think this fight is going to be fantastic i i will say the as brief as the the first fight was um, that was that was an amazing fight uh, from an entertainment standpoint. The the second fight, which you know, once again, I was privileged to be you know right right up on man. That was an amazing fight, and I'm and I'm actually looking forward to to rewatching it for like the third time uh, later today. Just you know, hyping myself up for for the event this weekend. Um, I think Daniel Cormier is going to get the win this time. You know, in that first fight. Oh, excuse me. In the, in, well, in the first fight, yeah, it, it, Cormier has this this really bad habit of letting himself get hit a little bit just to feel what the other guy has to offer. We saw that when he fought uh, Volkan Ozdemir. Um, I, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think he even let Pat Cummins hit him a few times just to see what he had to offer. Um, he did that the first fight against uh, against Stipe. And once he felt comfortable with whatever was being thrown back at him, you know, he he proceeded to to get that clinch strike and, and knock him out. Now, the, the second fight, Cormier did something a lot smarter. He didn't allow that to, to happen. He went immediately to his wrestling, got Stipe down fairly easily from from my vantage point uh, and, and was able to control a lot of the positioning in the first round, uh, get some good ground and pound shots off. But he just abandoned it afterward. 
And when he abandoned it, Stipe was able to gain the momentum, make the adjustments to hit the body, and and, and then, you know, the, the, the rest is history. I don't think DC makes that mistake again. Uh, one, he knows what Stipe has to offer from a power standpoint. Uh, so I don't see him doing like he did in that first fight and letting those shots land on him with impunity to, to kind of warm himself up to whatever's going on in front of him. And I don't see him abandoning his wrestling, especially if he goes out there and gets a, a good single leg or even, God forbid, one of those those crazy like tossing you like pizza dough slams. If he gets one of those on, on Stipe, I don't think he's going to let up from that. I, I, I don't because I think we know right off the bat Stipe is going to be aiming for that body. Um, so so Cormier simply just doesn't have the the time to mess around. Um, but I see this being a great fight either way. I, I think, um, I think Cormier is going to do it and no matter who wins, it's going to be a finish. I just think Cormier is going to get, get his hand raised though. You know, to me, the big thing, and, um, this is the double-edged sword of this fight in terms of, uh, interest, I think. And, and I'll admit it for me is that, um, similar to Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, that's how they've kind of sold this fight. And it's the fact that Deontay had Tyson done, but really at the end of the day, Tyson dominated 10 out of 12 rounds of the first fight. And he really dominated the second and you wondered how you ever doubted him. DC right. striking primarily has won five of the six rounds that, uh, am I counting that right? Or four out of the five that they have fought, you know, over the last year. So when I break it down, it's like, hey, look, if this turns into a striking fight, DC has been getting the better of them already. So you throw in the wrestling that almost should be a wrap. And I'm with you there. I think he gets him down. His, he's one of those guys, I don't know if it's, uh, you don't want to tie yourself out, if it's the age, if it's the injury. I always bring it up. In her, his words, not mine, this is not me trashing him. He's admitted he's a guy who sneezes and he's thrown his back out and needed a procedure. His words, not mine. That does not sound like a guy who's ready to grapple at heavyweight 25 minutes. Um, but he can, he's good. That is such a game-changing factor in this fight, and I don't. I'm not a big uh, believer in the cage being as much of an issue. I think the better grappler. I think if you can grapple well enough to hold them down in a big cage, you're gonna do it in a little one, plain and simple. I don't think if you could do it in the big one, you'll be able to do it in the little one. I don't think there's a difference really. Um, so when I look at it, that's the real thing for this fight. Stipe is really good. You got to give him credit where it's due. Um, he, you know, he's just a guy from the ground up. He's just developed into a well-rounded fighter, solid striker, durable, uh, can grapple. Um, he's just really that jack of all trades, and he's used that to beat a lot of good guys. He's got all the ability to do it again to DC. Just find the right spots and just land, just outland him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but man, I, I just see every time I look at this fight, I just think that DC, more motivated, already proved that he's got the weapons to do it twice. I think he gets it done in the third one too. I see him similar to you. He gets him down. He won't let up and 
he's just going to land those first few extra shots he needs to to get the job done if he does damage. So I have DC for the win. I'm not even going to pick how because I feel like that one, I feel like I'm going to be married to it and being at the fight, I want to just enjoy it. But I right. for the record, I am going DC on this one. Yeah, that's it. Sounds it. It just seems like the the, the logical conclusion here. And, and then also too, when when we think about the legacy, I know you you alluded to this earlier. Um, I don't, a lot of people billing this as as a potential dual retirement match, and I'm with you. I don't see Stipe retiring after this. You know, Stipe is definitely more the 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 type of person who's going to accept a fight just because oh they're going to pay me and I'll be there. Um, and and he'll fight uh, a Rosenstruck. He'll fight. And Ganu again, he'll fight the same guys that that Cormier um, will initially say like, oh, that's not a big enough fight for me. You know, keep in mind after he won the belt, he wasn't even trying to fight Derek Lewis. He said very, very clearly, like Derek Lewis does isn't a big enough fight for me until they threw they they threw a a dumb amount of money at him. And he said yes. Um, So outside of a trilogy match with Jones at heavyweight, Daniel Cormier ain't getting out of bed again. So this is this for him, for a guy who's a lifelong athlete and and has been a world class athlete for literally his entire life. um, This is his last hurrah. Like this is a guy who's going to go out there with, you know, shouldering the the weight of, you know, 30 something years of top level competition. I I think that level of motivation, man, I think he's going to be absolutely on his A game and and ready to really cement his legacy. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. And um, I mean, if you're DC, uh, this right off to the sunset with this, I mean, how can you not uh, put him in a big conversation history-wise? And then Stipe, I mean, he just adds to a resume that's he's already cemented too, really. And um, I know that this is kind of like the last chapter, right? Everything else is going to be an interesting what comes after because I think if you're Stipe... Besides Nganu, everyone's the next generation, right? Or the next, uh, right. the next wave. The Derek Lewis's, the Curtis Blades. I think his time of facing the Overeems and the old guard is done. It's the new guard he'd be up against, right? And can he prove it? John Jones right. being out there. I don't think it's done, but this is obviously a big fight to be the king going into it if you win. But the fact is, this is just closing such a chapter for both guys and great resumes that you know i i get the sell of it and the appeal of it in that way so it's going to be a good one and you know before we wrap up the, the discussion on on this fight i i just have to make note of and i i'm i wish i said this on on my own show when i when i did it yesterday um but man how stupid is the marketing campaign for uh for Modelo for this fight to have the the like the regular lighter Modelo oh, I for Stipe saw that. and then Negro, uh, Negro Modelo for <laughs> for DC like who, who who let that happen that is trash <laughs> I you know they did that for the rematch too I found it because I was looking for I, I it's like a meme that you lose and you have to find it again they did it for the um the second fight too and they had DC with the Modelo Negro um I. I, oh man, I wish I, I saw that for the rematch because I would have trashed it then. <laughs> let me see if I could find it. I I feel like I saved it to my camera roll just for the evidence later. Like, I, let me rephrase that. Just I wanted to prove that it wasn't my imagination. They did do that twice. 
Um, uh, Anthony, I don't know what to say. I mean, I get it. Stipe's the poster has always been, you know, it's not black and white. Stipe has always had that shade of gold on his side, but it just still doesn't. Uh, you just can't do that. I hate to say, you know, because I know that there's some ads you read into too much. Like I like when they talk about the um, what's it called? Uh, it's uh, State Farm. And they have the new guy now instead of the old guy, yeah. you know, about his khakis. And I'm like, why can't he just be their new guy? Why do we have to read into it? And I know it came out during Black History Month and that, you know, urged the conversation. And I'm like, why can't he just be the new guy? Why can't he just be a good neighbor and give you good insurance? So I try not to read into that. But even that one, you know, because of it, it's just like... Uh, why couldn't you just put two regular modelos under them? Just eliminate all that. You all know right. what I mean? Yeah, or, you know, you definitely advertise both modelos. I mean, the the, um, the Negro modelos taste much better, in my opinion. But, uh, but to have, like, you don't have to, like, shade him a darker color to match the color of the beer, nor do you have to shade Stipe to match the color of the beer. Just... You know, it's just one of those things where, like, it's so silly and it's so stupid. I'm not offended. I just find it really silly and really stupid and just wonder who thought of this. Um, it's I mean, I it definitely got a good laugh out of me. I'll I'll just leave it at that. I, I'll give you that, man. It's uh, it's something. And um, uh, there may be Modelo's sitting in the fridge. So I just want to say, you know, it is a special at my house. And I'll leave it at that. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys for following along and hearing our thoughts on Modelo advertising. So I appreciate it. Uh, fun <laughs> card. Follow me. Follow Anthony. Next week's show, recapping UFC 252. Looking ahead, if I'm not mistaken, that is um, Edgar versus Munoz, Uriah Hall, Yoel Romero. Good stuff. And guys, we'll be back next week.